evening, TPC family, and welcome to our, our continuing uh, Wednesday night at-home series. Uh, last week, uh, you had the opportunity to see another hot-button questions from Pastor. <clears throat> While Pastor is continuing to work on his his uh, book, uh, Jesus the Wall Breaker, um, he is almost done. He's to the point where he's just doing some final edits and, and just some some minor things, so that's, that's really close. While he's doing that, for the next uh, three weeks, I'm going to be with you uh, in a new series here on Wednesday night at our at-home series, at home here at my house, <clears throat> called Kingdom Come at Home. Now, you know, we, we pray um, often, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, of course, the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> well, you know, one of the things that uh, I want to focus on tonight and the next couple weeks is... The, the aspect of praying thy kingdom come, not just on Sunday, uh, not just out in the world, but in my own life, in my own house, um, you know, in, in, in my job, in all the aspects, uh, you know, at home. And I think one of the reasons that uh, it's, it's really important to understand this is especially in this season, we're spending so much time at home. Uh, but also in the season that, you know, we're, we're in this whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic and this crisis that's going on right now. And during this season, <clears throat> we, we've, <clears throat> excuse me, we've discovered that uh, the, the impact of COVID-19 on the church is really unprecedented. Uh, this disruption that we're experiencing with COVID-19 in, in the church world hasn't happened in at least a generation, a uh, hundred years or so. Uh, and how it compares to the others, of course, you just never know. But in regards to the modern church, it's unprecedented. There, we haven't seen anything like this before. And it came out of nowhere uh, in, in regards to our perspective. Obviously, God knew it was coming, but we didn't. And in this whole aspect of, of the COVID-19 crisis, we've, we're hearing a lot of opinions, we're hearing a lot of perspectives, um, but in this, I, I want us to take a minute for the next uh, few minutes tonight and, and over the next couple weeks and, and look at it sort of from God's perspective and, and to say, hey, Lord, what is your perspective on this? Because uh, it's real easy for us to, to look at things from, from our point of view, from a natural point of view. Uh, but the Lord always looks at things from a spiritual point of view. And, and what things look like to him from the spiritual side first, then the natural side. <clears throat> and, you know, in, in the aspect of the disruption that has occurred in the church, you know, one of the things that's been disrupted is Sunday morning. Uh, you know, here at Turning Point, we just restarted again on Sunday mornings. Uh, and if you weren't, weren't able to join us Sunday, it was great. And, and we hope that uh, you'll be able to join us this week. Or, or if not, uh, continue to join us here online. Uh, we're so blessed to be able to have this ability to share these messages with you online. You know, if, if this disruption had occurred 50 years ago, uh, you know, we'd have to do the old party line on the telephone. Um, so it is a blessing to be able to use this, this type of technology. But in this disruption, especially in the disruption of Sunday morning, I think a lot of, a lot of us have discovered that the interruption to our Sunday morning uh, 
corporate worship and corporate time of prayer in the Word, uh, we've realized how dependent our Christianity is on Sunday morning. Uh, actually, it's to a place where, for a, a lot of us, it's almost over-dependent. Now, Sunday obviously is a, a key aspect of the church uh, culture, and the Lord commands us to gather, uh, but the the role of Sunday morning in our lives should not be to the point where it's, it is the key to our Christian uh, walk with the Lord. Because the key to our Christian walk with the Lord is not what we do on Sunday morning. It's our relationship with Jesus that we have every day. And I think one of the things the Lord is trying to do is to get us to a point to see that our walk with Him goes beyond Sunday. And, and that's really what I want to look at over these next couple of weeks. And starting tonight is looking, how do we go beyond Sunday? Now, I'm not talking about getting rid of Sunday, obviously, or replacing Sunday. Uh, but how do we take our relationship with Jesus beyond just Sunday morning? Because if all we have is Sunday morning in our, in our relationship with Jesus, we're not going to grow. We're not going to develop. We're not going to become the person the Lord created us to be because one hour a week is not enough or two hours or whatever it is. You know, it's like in a marriage, you know, uh, if you only see your spouse once a week for one hour, you're not going to be able to develop that marriage. It's the same thing in our relationship with, with Christ is if, if we only spend time with the Lord one hour a week, we're not going to be able to develop that relationship. And we're not going to see that transformation in our lives that we all desire. Uh, you know, one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and everybody wants self-control. But it's not an act of the will, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And fruit is born in our lives through our relationship with Christ, not through an act of our will. So if we don't spend time abiding in Christ and growing in that relationship, we won't see that fruit manifest, that spirit of, of self-control manifest, and our lives will not experience the transformation we all want to see, we all want to experience. So I think in, in this current state of the church, one of the things the Lord is saying to us is that, uh, you know, Sunday morning is a vital aspect of our relationship, but it should not be the foundation of our relationship with Christ. So with that in mind, I, I want to start with uh, a couple verses out of the book of Revelation. Uh, we'll be in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, if you're familiar with the first two chapters of Revelation, uh, you remember that uh, the Apostle John, who is the author of Revelation, um, is used by the Lord to send seven letters to seven different churches. So the Lord's speaking through John to these churches. And in the seventh church, which is what we're going to read, the church in Laodicea, you know, the Lord points a couple things out to that church that says, hey, look, there's some things you need to change. There's some things that I see from a spiritual perspective that you're not seeing from a natural perspective that need to change in your life. And I think these things apply to us today in the current state of the modern church, is that there's some things that need to change. Uh, and, I, you know, obviously I don't believe the Lord is the author of, of coronavirus, but he has allowed it. And we see this throughout history where, where God will allow things to occur that were not his plan, but he uses those things to bring about his plan, or he uses those things to reveal to his people uh, areas in which he wants them to change or to develop. 
Uh, you know, a great example of that is, is in the life of Joseph. Uh, if you remember back in Genesis, you know, the Lord gave Joseph these great dreams, but then his brother sold him into slavery, and then his slave master uh, put him in prison. Well, you know, obviously it's, it wasn't God's plan for him to be sold in slavery and to be put in prison, but God used those things to prepare Joseph to become prince of Egypt. And not only did God, God not um, author those things, but he did use them, but he also demonstrated he was sovereign over those things. Because in, in an instant, all it took was God giving Pharaoh a nightmare, <laughs> a bad dream, to get Joseph out of prison. And so in an instant, he was able to overcome all those negative circumstances. Well, it's the same thing with us here with COVID. Is, you know, God's not the author of COVID, but I believe he's using it right now in the church to reveal some things to us that he wants us to change. And in an instant, the Lord can just stop this whole thing uh, when, he, when he deems it, it, it necessary. But he'll continue to use it to cleanse us, to, to make us better to draw us closer to him. And I think one of those things here is, again, is in Sunday morning. So moving back to, to the book of Revelation. This is uh, Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 15. Again, this is uh, Jesus speaking through John to the church in Laodicea. Uh, starting in verse 15, uh, the Lord says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Well, that's, that is a pretty bold statement from the Lord to, to say to a church saying, look, you are so lukewarm. You're, you're, you're not cold. You're not hot. You're just, you're just in the middle. And you're just hanging out in the middle. Uh, it's so bad that I'm just going to vomit you out of, out of my mouth. I, I'm not going to use you as, as a means by which I speak to the world. Uh, that, that's quite an indictment on a church. So he, he goes on to say here in verse 17, Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Again, another uh, harsh indictment of this particular church where the church said, Hey, look, we got everything we need. Uh, you know, we're rich. We, we have all our needs are met. But the Lord's saying, well, maybe in the natural, that's true. But from a spiritual perspective, which is what I'm looking at you from, a spiritual perspective, the reality is that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, that's quite a contrast. And I think in the church today, uh, for, for many of us as Christians, you know, we may in the natural be um, rich, if you will, or, or in the sense that we have all our needs met, uh, you know, we're not out begging for, for money or whatever. But the Lord's saying, hey, your natural condition is not reflective of your spiritual condition at the moment. And that your spiritual condition, in reality, is you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, it may not be as bad. Uh, there's degrees in there. But the point is, the Lord's saying, look, I'm allowing Sunday to be taken away for a season so I can reveal some things to you. Uh, because in this taking away of Sunday, it has revealed to a lot of us that, hey, you know what, I, I'm overly dependent on Sunday because now my relationship with the Lord is just kind of, uh, I don't know where it is because Sunday's been taken away. And the Lord wants us to get to a place where Sunday is a part of our life, but 
if Sunday is taken away for a season, it should not affect our walk with him in the sense that it is the linchpin to our walk and that you take that out and everything falls apart. Um, and I think for a lot of us, we're discovering that, hey, you know, we were overly dependent on Sunday. Now, the Lord continues to go or continues on here in verse 18, and he says, I, I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. So here the Lord's saying, look, yeah, I'm, I'm calling you out, okay, I, I'm, I'm chastening you, but I'm doing it because I love you. If I didn't, I wouldn't say anything. Uh, you want to be lukewarm? I don't care, because I don't care about you. But he does care about us, and he loves us, and he says, look, because I love you, I'm going to rebuke you. And when I do, I want you to be zealous in repenting. Uh, don't don't take it as condemnation. Obviously, in Romans, the Lord says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the Lord's not calling us out to condemn us. He's calling us out to transform us, to change us, to help us to become better. Uh, and then he goes on to uh, verse 20, which is a verse many of us have, have read before and heard before. Uh, and we usually talk about it in the context of evangelism. Well, it certainly has an evangelistic uh, perspective to it. Uh, in the context of where it is written, it is not speaking in the context of evangelism. It's speaking to the church who needs to repent. And I think uh, for us, where we are, and what the Lord's revealing, for some of us, the Lord's saying, hey, I need you to repent. I need you to change. I need you to allow me to transform you and to grow your relationship beyond Sunday. So here's what he says in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So, you know, here we have Jesus standing at the door of our heart. Now, again, we tend to use that in the context of evangelism. But here, it is not in the context of evangelism. It's like in the context of calling his people to repent. And that the, the Lord is standing there waiting for them to open the door of repentance uh, in regards to what he's revealed to them. And it's the same thing here, you know, with us, is, you know, the Lord revealing, hey, Sunday is a little too important for you. Um, it, it's become the foundation of your relationship with me rather than just a, an aspect of your relationship with me. So I need to repent. I need you to allow me in to your heart, not just on Sunday, but on, uh, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of the week. And that's, that's what I want to get into tonight is specifically three keys on how we can go beyond Sunday. Now, again, I'm not talking about replacing Sunday or removing Sunday. I want to go beyond Sunday to where our relationship with Jesus is every day, not just Sunday. So, so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And Lord, I thank you that you do chasten those whom you love. So tonight, Father, as we, we hear your word, we hear your truth, Lord, I pray that you, you would protect us from hearing this as condemnation, Lord, rather than a, a call to repentance, to be zealous and repent, to open that door, allow you to come in, to dine with us, and to transform us into the person you've created, created us to be, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's look at these three keys, uh, three keys to going beyond 
Sunday morning. Uh, key number one, Sunday morning should be a part of our Christian life, not the foundation of our Christian life. And we've sort of been talking about that very thing. So that's number one. Number two, we need a new generation of Christians who are raised in Christ, not just in the church. And I'll explain what I mean by that here in a minute. And then number three, we need to rely more on the Holy Spirit for revelation, not just on pastors and teachers. And again, I'll explain that here in a minute. So let's start with number one. Uh, going back to number one, Sunday mornings should be a part of our Christian life, not the foundation of our Christian life. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was talking about that verse out of Isaiah, uh, that chapter out of Isaiah, chapter one, where the Lord says to the people of Israel, hey, you're doing all these ritualistic things, uh, the sacrifices and the, and the feasts and the ceremonies, things I've told you to do, which are good things, but you're doing them with the wrong motivation. You're doing them with the wrong heart. Uh, you're doing them more out of a ritualistic, religious motivation than you are out of a true, transformed heart. And, you know, the Lord goes on to say it's to the point where I can't stand the fact that you're doing all these things. I can't stand your feasts and your sacrifices. And he even says, look, when you spread out your hands to pray, I'm not even going to listen anymore. It's that bad. Well, what is the remedy the Lord's looking for? Well, he goes on to say, he says, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek justice. I want you to defend the oppressed. I want you to minister to the poor, the widow, the orphan. I want you to be a difference in your community, in, in, your, in, your, in your world around you. Not just show up on a designated day to give sacrifices or to do ritualistic things. I want you to go out and make a difference in the world around you by seeking justice, standing up for those who are oppressed, by ministering to the poor and the widow, the orphan, so on and so forth. Then those things, uh, as far as the ritualistic things, um, the, the, the practices, those things will be acceptable to me because you're coming to me with a right heart. And we see that also in, in Acts chapter 2, where right after the birth of the church, you know, Peter gives his great sermon, uh, opens the door uh, uh, for the world to come into the kingdom um, in, in the form of the church. The church is, is birthed that day, 3,000 people are, are brought into the kingdom. Um, and right after that, it says that uh, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in prayer and and in gathering together, which, you know, we, we look at in regards to our modern-day version of that as Sunday morning. But it also says that <clears throat> those who, who were part of this early church, they also sold possessions. And they brought the money so that other people who were in need would no longer be in need. So that nobody had need at all anymore. Uh, later on in chapter 6, we, we read of Stephen, the very first martyr, but he was before he was martyred, he was chosen to be part of a ministry that, that ministered to widows. And you see the church uh, not just coming together for religious practices. You see the church being a transformational entity within their community, within their, their, their culture. And that's what the Lord's calling us to be, to go beyond that, to, to move beyond 
what we do on Sunday, because I think for a, a lot of us, you know, Sunday is just, it's just a ritual. Okay, it's Sunday morning, i got to go to church. But when it comes to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all the other stuff, uh, nothing else really happens. Um, you know, the, the statistics say that the vast majority of Christians, uh, the only time <clears throat> they spend time in the Word, in the Bible, is on Sunday morning. Uh, they don't do it on their own. They don't spend time with the Lord on their own. The only time they pray or, or, or listen to the Word uh, of God or, or worship is the hour or two on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, like now, or you know whatever the routine is. Uh, the point is that uh, the, the, the ritualistic nature of religion has replaced the aspect of our dynamic relationship with the Lord in growing closer to Him every day and manifesting itself out in the things that the Lord's heart desires. Again, to, to seek justice, to defend those who are oppressed, to minister to the poor, the widow, the orphan, and those type of things. And there, believe me, there's a bazillion opportunities to do that in our culture today, in our, in our, uh, in our country, in our state, in our communities, in our cities. There's a million opportunities to do that. And the church should be on the forefront of that. They should be leading all these different opportunities to do those things um, and not just showing up on Sunday morning. We have to get to the place where Sunday morning is a celebration of everything else that's going on during the week, not the only thing that's going on during the week. And really, to a degree, um, a large degree, for a lot of Christians, that's that's what the truth is. That the only true aspect of their Christianity is manifest on Sunday morning, uh, or Wednesday night, or whatever. Um, but when it comes to Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, or you know any other time, uh, not much is happening. And that's just not the heart of God. <clears throat> God seeks a, a people who are transformed and become agents of transformation to the world around them. So that's why, you know, when it comes to Sunday morning, we have to we have to go beyond Sunday morning. And that we have to get to a point where Sunday is not the foundation of our Christianity. So that that's that's number one. Uh, moving on to number two. We need a new generation of Christians who are raised in Christ, not just raised in the church. <clears throat> now what do I mean by that? I, Kind of moving in that direction here as, as we were talking about number one. Well, you know, for a lot of Christians, as I said, Sunday is, is a sort of ritualistic or religious practice uh, that is, is relegated to Sunday or Wednesday night, whatever. <clears throat> but beyond that, there's not much else going on. You know, in, in evangelism, one of the illustrations we use uh, to uh, show the difference between religion and and Christianity is that, you know, religion is about all these ritualistic practices, do this, don't do that, rules and regulations, uh, works, those type of things. But Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. So, you know, we use that, uh, that contrast all the time in evangelism. Christianity is not religion, it's a relationship. <clears throat> well, and that's absolutely true, and that, that is a great illustration in the context of evangelism, but going beyond evangelism, on the flip side of that, for those of us who are walking with Christ, who are Christians, it's just as true for us 
that our Christianity is not religion. Because I think a lot of times, uh, while we use that in the context of evangelism, <clears throat> we kind of slip back into it in our Christianity, where we allow our Christianity to slip into religious practice rather than a dynamic, growing relationship. And we have a generation, uh, multiple generations of, of, of Christians, who grow, grew up in the church, meaning the religious practice of Sunday morning or Sunday school or Bible study. Not that there's anything wrong with those things in and of themselves, but they were raised up in a, an environment where those were religious practices that were taught, but they weren't raised up in an environment where their whole focus was on a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we need in, in, in our church today. We need a new generation of Christians whose whole focus is on their relationship with Jesus, not their religious practices. <clears throat> now, if you're raised up in a relationship with Jesus, Sunday morning is, is something you naturally do. You, you worship Jesus and you participate in that. Uh, but just because you participate in a Sunday morning service doesn't naturally mean you develop a dynamic relationship with Jesus. It doesn't move both ways. And, and I think a lot of people have made that mistake, thinking, well, if I go to Sunday service or Wednesday night or whatever, then this relationship side will naturally happen. It doesn't. It's the other way around. If I work on the relationship side, then all this other stuff will fall into place, just like the Lord said in Isaiah. Look, hey, you're doing the right things as far as all the ritualistic things I've told you to do, but you're doing it with the wrong heart. Flip her around. Get your heart right, do the things, and become the person I want you to be, and all these other things will fall into place. <clears throat> um, so we have to make sure we're, we're, we're focused on the right side uh, of the equation here. Um, just, just going to church on Sunday does not equate to a relationship with Jesus on Monday. But a relationship with Jesus on Monday will, will naturally build and be part of a, a uh, worship of Jesus on Sunday. You know, Paul talks about in Romans 12, verse 2, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we would know what is that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Well, that aspect of transformation is a process, and it takes time. <clears throat> but it's not a process of behavior modification. Uh, it's not just changing your behavior. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we think that the goal of Christianity is to get me to stop doing things. Well, stopping something does not necessarily mean that you're a better person. See, the goal of, of Christianity is a transformation of your identity and, and building in you a righteousness that is of God, not of yourself. But righteousness is not the absence of sin, it's the presence of Jesus. And I think we mistake that. We think if I just can stop the sin or stop the bad things, then I become righteous. And that's just not true. To become righteous, we need a relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus is righteousness. And when Jesus comes into our lives and we allow him to build that righteousness in us, his righteousness in us, the behavior just naturally follows. 
God's not looking to change your behavior. He's looking to transform your character. Because when your character is transformed, the behavior naturally follows. Uh, you know, again, Christianity is not a behavioral modification program. It is a character transformation process. And that takes time. <clears throat> but it takes time in the context of abiding. You know, Jesus said in, in John 15 that if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Well, what's the fruit he's talking about? Well, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, one of the things we talked about a few minutes ago. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants self-control. Well, self-control is not an act of the will. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And the only way we see self-control manifest in our lives is through a relationship with Jesus. And when we have a relationship with Jesus and we abide in Jesus, that fruit is born and manifest in our life, that fruit of self-control, and it's that self-control that overcomes the power of sin. I don't have that power. I, 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 I can drum up all the willpower I want. I may be able to stop for a while, but eventually sin will overcome me because I don't have power over sin, only Jesus has power over sin. And the only way I overcome that is through my relationship with Jesus. So that's why we need a generation of Christians today who are raised not just in religious practices, but in the relationship with Jesus. Because if we have a, a generation of Christians who are raised in a relationship with Jesus, they will bear much fruit, they will experience the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will experience the, the, the bearing of fruit in their life, love, joy, peace, all that, self-control, that in and of itself will transform their heart to, to have a desire to seek justice and to, to, to help those who are oppressed, to minister to the poor, the, the widow, the orphan. The very things the Lord said to uh, the people of Israel in Isaiah saying, hey, this is what I want. And this is what we see in Acts that the church just naturally did that because they experienced the transforming power of Jesus Christ through the relationship, not the ritualistic religious practices. So we need a generation of Christians who are raised, who are not just raised in the church, but are raised in Christ. That's why uh, we have to focus on that daily relationship. And that's where that comes from. When that happens, the, transform, the transformation occurs in our life, and the, the transformation turns us into agents of transformation in the world around us. So that's uh, number two. So let's move on to number three. Number three says we need to rely more on the Holy Spirit for revelation than on pastors and teachers. So what does that mean? Well, and again, I'm certainly I'm not against pastors and teachers. Obviously, I'm a pastor and I'm teaching you tonight. I mean, that's a, that's a given. That's not, my point is not to eliminate pastors and teachers because obviously there's a role for that in the church. My point is, is that for many Christians, the only revelation they think they can get is from a pastor and teacher. Well, actually, that's just not true. Uh, I don't have the power to reveal spiritual truth to you. Now, I can share with you the spiritual revelation of truth that, that the Holy Spirit has given me, but if you're not relying on the Holy Spirit to open your own mind to the truth I'm teaching, you're not going to capture it. You're not going to get it. This is why we have so many Christians going to church and hearing truth over and over and over and over again, but their lives never change. Because they're relying on, on men and women 
for revelation rather than the Holy Spirit. Now again, that's not to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't use other men and women to bring truth and, and manifest truth through them, but it's dependent on the receiver to allow the Holy Spirit to open their mind. And, and here's what I mean. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him or her. Uh, and what that means is we, in and of ourselves, do not have the capacity to understand spiritual truth apart from the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. I, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what your IQ is. You could be president of Mensa, but you're still not smart enough to understand the spiritual truth of the Word of God or anything of the Spirit because those things are spiritually revealed. And the only way we understand spiritual truth is if the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Uh, you know, I love Pastor Jeff and his teaching, and he's one of the best Bible teachers in the country, in my opinion. But as good as Pastor Jeff is, if I am not relying on the Holy Spirit, he can teach and, and, and preach the greatest spiritual truth in the world. I'm not going to be able to understand it unless I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to reveal it. You know, one of the things I learned as, as, a, as a teacher um, and, and realizing that I had the spiritual gift of teaching is that when I taught somebody something that was of spiritual truth, I, I learned that when I speak spiritual truth, it's the Holy Spirit speaking it through me, but it's also in the person, in the student, it's the Holy Spirit opening their mind to that truth and then combining that truth with their experience and all the other things the Holy Spirit has, has um, brought into their lives uh, that I'm not even aware of. Because there's been times when I've, I've taught people, you know, class or whatever, uh, and somebody will come up to me and say, man, you know, when you said this or, or this is what I got out of it, it's nothing that I said or was anything that I even uh, remotely thought of. But what happened was, the Holy Spirit spoke through me, and in that student, they, they received that revelation as the Holy Spirit opened their own minds to it, and then the Holy Spirit mixed it with other things that the Lord was doing in their lives to give them a specific revelation for them that I was not even aware of, and there's no way I could have ever known uh, all the details of that. And that's that's how uh, you receive spiritual truth as well. Uh, again, you know, I'm sitting here teaching tonight, but the only way you can understand any of the spiritual things that, that I say is if the Holy Spirit opens your mind to it. Uh, because if you're not relying on the Holy Spirit, uh, you'll, you may hear and go, oh yeah, that was really good, and you'll never catch the rest of it. It's the same thing with pastor and any other great Bible teacher, Dr. Tony Evans or whatever. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to open our minds to spiritual truth. And that is dependent, again, on the relationship with, with Jesus. The greater our relationship with Jesus, the deeper our relationship with Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit can reveal spiritual truth to us. So as we go forward and we learn those things, we learn the truth, 
um, the Holy Spirit can then give us deeper and deeper and deeper understanding of the Word of God. Uh, you know, in, in, in uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 sort of admonishes uh, his readers saying, hey, look, at this point, you should be teachers, but you're still at a point where you still even need just the basics, the spiritual milk of the word. You can't handle the spiritual meat. And, you know, a lot of times we use those terms, you know, the Christian, Christian terms, ooh, that's heavy meat doctrine, you know, the meat of the word or the milk of the word. Well, here's the thing about the meat, uh, uh, the milk and the meat. Uh, you know, when a baby is born, the only thing they can digest is milk. It, you know, if you have a, a, a one-year-old baby and you put them in a high chair and you throw a T-bone steak right in front of them, they're not going to know what to do with it. They're going to play with the throat on the, on the floor and the dog's going to eat it because they can't handle it. They don't know what to do with it. Because they can't digest it yet. They're not grown up enough. They're not mature enough in, in their life to be able to handle the meat. Well, it's the same way with Christians. Um, being able to receive the meat of the word, if you will, or the deeper spiritual truths of the word of God, is not dependent on who's teaching. It's dependent on who's listening. If you're... In, a, in an immature place with your walk with the Lord, you're not going to be able to handle the, the heavy meat of the Word. You're not going to know what to do with it uh, because you can't digest it because you don't know how to feed yourself. And that's one of the aspects of, of a baby. A baby doesn't know how to feed themselves. That's why they need the milk. Now as they grow up, they learn how to feed themselves. They know how to cut a T-bone steak and all that other stuff and, and be able to feed themselves. But as Christians, we, we have to get to a point where we can digest that meat of the Word, uh, regardless of who's teaching it. And that is dependent on our maturity level in our walk with Jesus. So if, if we're going to receive deeper and more and greater spiritual revelation, meat if you will, uh, then we have to grow in our maturity to be able to handle that. Uh, if we don't grow in our maturity and we just we stay immature, the only thing we'll ever be able to receive is the milk, the basics of of the Word of God. And and you know, in the church today, we see a lot of Christians that are still struggling with just the basics, uh, the the milk, if you will. And that's I'm not condemning anybody over that's not a, that's not my point. My point is, hey, look, if you want to 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 learn the greater, deeper spiritual truths. You have to grow in your ability to handle them. And the way we do that is growing in our relationship with Christ and our dependence on the Holy Spirit to bring revelation into our lives and to grow us in maturity so we can handle the more mature or the deeper spiritual truths, the meat of the word, if you will, in that context. And again, I'm certainly not saying that we're not supposed to have teachers and, and pastors and all that, because Ephesians 4 makes it very clear that the Lord has given the, what the so-called five-fold ministry, ministry uh, of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry until we all come to the unity of the faith of a, of a mature uh, body. 
So there's a role for pastors and teachers. And the Holy Spirit speaks through pastors and teachers. But it's not just the aspect of depending on the Holy Spirit to speak through a pastor or teacher. It's also an aspect of the student who's receiving what's being taught, relying on the Holy Spirit and growing in their own maturity to be able to receive that truth. Because if, again, like that baby, if they have not grown in their own maturity to be able to digest the, the greater spiritual truths, they're not going to know what to do with it and they're not going to be able to receive it. So that's why we have to rely more on the Holy Spirit for revelation than we do on pastors and teachers. And, and in our current context, um, a lot of Christians, they don't spend time in the Word on their own. They don't read the Word on their own. They just rely on their pastor or they rely on their Bible study teacher or whatever. And, and that is a recipe for not growing. And in that context, uh, those Christians will never be able to grow beyond the milk of the word because they don't know how to handle anything beyond that. The only way to, to be able to handle the deep truths or the, or the spiritual meat, if you will, uh, is through growing in your relationship with Christ and growing in that dependency on the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, then we have a church that, uh, as Ephesians says, you know, the, the fivefold ministry equips the saints for the work of the ministry. So now we have the congregation, church members, doing the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? It's to seek justice. It's to defend the oppressed. It's to minister to the poor, the orphan, and the widow. You know, it all comes back to, to that heart of, of Christ, that heart of God that we see God specifically saying in Isaiah and the church specifically doing in the book of Acts. And that's what we need to get back to in order to go back to go beyond uh, Sunday morning. So if we're going to re recapture our influence in this country, you know, as, as I as I bring this to a close, uh, I talked a couple weeks ago about kingdom influence and and the church regaining its influence in this country. Well, if we want to do that, we need Christians. We need church uh, members. We need the the body to grow in maturity. We need, we need a body who is more dependent on Christ than they are on the ritualistic um, Sunday church services. Uh, we have to go beyond Sunday in our walk with the Lord in order to grow in maturity, in order to do the work of ministry, in order to experience transformation and become agents of transformation in our culture. And when we do that, we are no longer lukewarm. We become red hot for Jesus. And at that point, Jesus isn't saying, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. He's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to declare you out of my mouth to the world around you, uh, because you're the type of person that I created you to be, and you become my mouthpiece. You become the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around you. You become history makers and nation shakers in Jesus' name. And that's when things begin to transform in our communities, in our city, in our state, and in our country. And that's the type of church that we need in this country right now. It's a, that would be a church of influence. So the, the way to do that, uh, in, in the context of what we're talking about tonight, as far as kingdom coming home, 
we need to go beyond Sunday morning. And here's the three ways, again, that we can go beyond Sunday morning. Number one, Sunday morning should be a part of our Christian life, not the foundation of our Christian life. Number two, we need a generation of Christians who are raised in Christ, not just in the church. And number three, we need to rely more on the Holy Spirit for revelation than just on pastors and teachers. So I hope tonight that uh, you're encouraged, um, and I hope the Lord um, is, is, is not condemning you. Obviously, he's not condemning you. I hope you don't receive this in a condemnation way. I hope you feel that conviction and that drawing going, yes, that's what I want. That's the person I want to be. Uh, and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about, okay, if that's you, if, if you really want to go beyond Sunday morning, here's how we can do that. Uh, so next week and the week after, we'll talk about very specific things we can do as Christians to go beyond Sunday morning so we can become agents of transformation to our community. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. Uh, we, we thank you just for who you are. And Lord, we thank you for your compassion, for your love. And Lord, I thank you that, that every single day you give us the opportunity to be zealous and repent, uh, to, to uh, grow closer to you. And Lord, uh, I just pray for every person listening to this message, Lord, that, that you would draw them in. Lord, you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the truth of your word, in the truth of your call for them to be uh, fully committed disciples of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you would, you would encourage them that uh, despite what's happened in their life up to this point, uh, despite where they are with you right now, Lord, that they can grow and become closer to you uh, today and tomorrow and the next day. And they can experience that transformation in order to become agents of transformation in the world in which you've placed them. Lord, I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Uh, again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we, we are officially uh, back uh, as far as Sunday mornings again in person. So if you're able to join us on Sunday morning, you can go online right now to our, our website, tpcfamily.org. You can reserve your seats for Sunday morning. Uh, we do require reservations at the moment as far as the aspect of helping us with social distancing and all that other. Uh, so the, the uh, reservation tickets are available now for this coming Sunday. So you can go online again, tpcfamily.org and reserve your seats. And we look forward to seeing you either in person or here online as you and I work together to advance the kingdom of God in our city, in our state, in our country, and become people of influence, a church of influence, so that the kingdom of God can come here on earth, but it also can come right there where you are in your home. God bless you.